Good morning. It's Friday the 10th of July. I'm Tom Tilly and this is The Briefing. And I am Jan Fran. Good morning to you. Today we're going to take a look at TikTok in Australia. Asking the question, should it be banned? Yeah, this is the first Chinese-owned app to become really popular in the West. And that's raising some massive questions. Can identify you really precisely? And that's probably something you don't want an app doing, particularly a social media app, because it means that someone can know when you're using your phone, whenever you're using it, if they've got that fingerprint. TikTok in just a moment. First, let's get into the big news of the day. Speaking of China, uh, our relationship with the country has copped another blow. This time it is over new national security laws that were introduced in Hong Kong last week. Now, these laws criminalise dissent and opposition to Chinese rule. Protesters came out against the laws saying that they erode Hong Kong of its democracy, its autonomy and its free speech. And then in response to those new tough laws, Australia's torn up the agreement to extradite people back to face charges in Hong Kong, while the Prime Minister's made it easier for Hong Kongers to settle in Australia. We'll be extending visas by five years from today, with a pathway to permanent residency at the end of those five years. Now, this applies to roughly 10,000 skilled and student visa holders in Australia. China, not happy with Australia's response to this. The Chinese embassy in Canberra said it strongly deplores and opposes the move and it urged us to stop otherwise, and this is a quote that I'm a bit confused about, otherwise it will lead to nothing but lifting a rock only to hit its own feet. Yeah, I think there's some deeper Chinese meaning there that we're not quite getting, but it doesn't sound good. Yeah, it doesn't sound good, exactly. Yeah, they said they oppose our groundless accusations. So strong words again, and a very big move by Australia to offer a safe haven to these Hong Kongers. What to do about Victoria's second wave? That is the question that will be asked when National Cabinet meets today. I wouldn't expect that this is the peak. I absolutely keep my fingers crossed that it is. Uh, It would be most reassuring if in the next week uh, we can see numbers go down, uh, but there's absolutely no guarantee. Well, that wasn't very reassuring. That's the Victorian Chief Health Officer, Brett Sutton, after announcing 165 new cases yesterday, its second highest number on record. Meanwhile, residents in eight of the nine public housing towers uh, who were locked in their home without any warning last weekend were allowed out overnight. But the Premier, Dan Andrews, says that there's one tower, the final tower, will remain in a hard lockdown, meaning that they cannot leave for any reason for another eight days. There are such numbers of positive cases, together with known close contacts, that the assumption has got to be that everybody in that tower is a close contact of someone who is positive. Yeah, there are more than 480 tenants in that particular tower, 53 of whom have tested positive. So to some extent, I can understand the concern there, but to not be allowed out of your house for any reason for that long, it's very difficult. Yeah, especially after we spoke to Abdi Ish in that North Melbourne tower yesterday on the briefing who told us that all the food being delivered up by the volunteers wasn't getting through to them and they were surviving on wheat bix 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I think the uh, National Cabinet has a lot of questions. Yeah, over the border in New South Wales, the Premier there is saying everyone needs to keep their distance as they try to stop the Victorian outbreak crossing the border. This is a time when all of us have to be on high alert. You may not know uh, the person that you're socialising with may have been, may have known someone who knows someone from Melbourne and that's pretty much all it could take uh, to be subjected to the virus. Yeah, in Sydney's Daily Telegraph newspaper today, the front page has this picture and it's a real shocker. It's a big queue of up to 250 people lining up outside a well-known eastern suburbs pub with no social distancing at all. I don't think I've seen that sort of line at any time, even pre-pandemic. So to see it during a, a moment like this is pretty intense. New South Wales Liquor and Gaming says it is taking this extremely seriously and the health minister, Brad Hazard, said that he was horrified, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I think we're going to see a really interesting press conference later today when we find out what's happened in that national cabinet meeting. There's so many pressing issues to discuss there. They're going to talk about lowering the cap on numbers of people arriving in Australia from overseas and debating whether they should start paying for it themselves because some of the leaders have said, well, they were warned as far back as March that they needed to come back to Australia. So for people still arriving in July and in such great numbers and at such great expense, maybe they need to start shipping in. And Kanye West... Presidential candidate for 2020 (laughs) has laid out some of his policy positions after announcing that, yeah, he is going to run for president. Whoop-dee-scoop. Scoop-dee-dee-whoop. Whoop-dee-scoop. Yep, this guy, the scoop-dee-poop-dee-whoop, is running for president. Hey, hey, he's got some other great bangers, okay? Cut him some slack. All right, so he did an interview with Forbes magazine. It came out yesterday. Apparently the interview went for three hours. Here are some of the things that came out of that interview. It turns out he's very suspicious of any future coronavirus vaccine, saying that vaccines are the mark of the beast. Not great. He thinks he had COVID in February. Um, He's anti-abortion. He said that Planned Parenthoods have been placed inside cities by white supremacists to do the devil's work. Oh, God. It's a strong view. Um, That he's never voted before. He'll be running under a new party called the Birthday Party because when he wins, it'll be everyone's birthday. Well, at least it sounds mildly festive. His two advisors are Kim Kardashian, his wife, and Elon Musk. And he's this is and this is to be honest, this is probably the most meaningful thing to come out of all this absolute nonsense from Kanye West mm. is that he's not a Trump supporter anymore. He said he was essentially taking his MAGA cap off with this interview because of the president's handling of COVID nineteen and Black Lives Matter. You know what? I just I can't really wrap my head around this because either he's doing it, he's serious about it, in which case do we need another person with limited experience who perhaps doesn't have the temperament to be in the White House? Because we know what happens when you have one of those in the White House. But if he's not being serious, then I don't know if America, which feels like it's just a tinderbox right now, really sort of needs this. Not time for a joke? It's not time for a joke. <laughs> so either way, it seems like a lose-lose situation. I'm trying to stay optimistic. but Well, my view is that this is just Pure publicity. This is all about selling his upcoming album. His album is called God's Country. So he's going deep on all these sort of hardcore Christian values, making as much noise as he can at a very tense time so it's going to get attention and more people will know about his album, whether it's good or not. Because he's not getting back to this, is he? He's not going to get to this sort of quality. They were the glory days, I will say. All right, let's talk TikTok. 
Would you recommend that people download that app on their phones? Only if you want your private information in the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. Oof, that was the US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo there, not mincing any words about the Chinese-owned app TikTok. Yeah, he says the US is considering banning TikTok. India banned it last week, and now our pollies are taking a long, hard look at it. So I guess the question is, should TikTok be banned? Yeah, TikTok's grown massively in the three years it's been active. It's got nearly 800 million users, closing in on Instagram's 1 billion users. Yeah, and if you look at exactly as you say how long it's been active, three years comparative to Instagram, which has been around for a decade or more, to amass that many users is huge. Now, its biggest star, Charlie D'Amelio, already has 69 million followers. She's only been on the app since last year. Here she is explaining what the app is. There's not one thing to put it in a category of. It's 15 to 60 second videos of really doing whatever you want. Sometimes I vlog. I mostly dance. A lot of people do comedy. There's a lot of art. It's really all over the place. So it's incredible that she's built up 69 million followers since she joined the app in June last year. To put that in context, YouTube's biggest star, PewDiePie, took a decade to get 100 million followers. Yeah. So that just shows the massive amounts of people that are signing up to this app very quickly. Now, there are 1.6 million users in Australia alone. Most of them are under the age of 25. But there are serious concerns that have been raised about several things. One, privacy. Two, censorship. And three, Chinese government interference because TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. Part of what's interesting here is that it's the first Chinese-owned social media platform to become massively popular in the West. So governments, including ours, are working out what the implications of that might be. Yeah, last year, a Senate committee was set up to look at foreign interference through social media. Now, the chair of that committee, Labor Senator Jenny McAllister, told the ABC that there have been specific concerns about TikTok. The first is that they're not entirely transparent or inadequately transparent about what happens with individual data. The second is that it's not quite clear what their content moderation policies are. And there are concerns that some of these approaches to moderating content might be inconsistent with Australian values. The head of TikTok in Australia, Lee Hunter, has come out and said that there is nothing to be concerned about. TikTok would never share any user information with any foreign government, including the Chinese government. Putting our users' safety and their privacy first is something we're focused on every day. Now, he might be asked to appear before a Senate committee to answer questions about TikTok, possibly in the coming months. Let's find out what one of Australia's biggest TikTokers thinks about this debate. Jackson Aces has 4 million followers. He's a magician and he's following on TikTok. He's way bigger than on any other platform. 4 million on TikTok, 4,000 on YouTube, 80,000 on Instagram. Jackson, why is your TikTok following so strong? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, TikTok has made it really, really easy to grow organically out of nowhere. I started TikTok about a year ago, and, you know, it's it's a bit of a challenge to try to push all the followers over to the other social media apps, especially when, I mean, a lot of the audience is so young and they don't really have Instagram or Facebook or any of that yet. So that's kind of why that those numbers don't exactly align. Yeah. Are you into TikTok? Do you like it more than the other social media apps? What do you like about it? Look, honestly, I do. Like, It takes a little bit of time once you get TikTok for it to figure out what you like. 
but it's really good at basically basing everything on how you've interacted with videos in the past. It figures out what to show you. So after you've been on there for a while, honestly, I, I spend hours on there sometimes just <laughs> cracking up, scrolling through the videos. Do you worry that the Chinese government could be potentially using your data? Look, me personally, I don't really, that doesn't really bother me because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's like over 50 American apps that are doing almost the exact same thing with the permissions and, and the data that they can use from your internet use and, and all of that while you're using the app. So I'm honestly not too concerned, you know, in the big picture of it, it's obviously worth a lot more for me to be on the app and, uh, you know, yeah. But the difference between American companies and Chinese companies is that the Chinese government has a lot more control over Chinese companies than the American government does over American companies. That doesn't worry you? I mean, that's definitely a good point. I heard that, you know, in response to this, I mean, TikTok have said that their servers are actually not in China, that they're in America with backups in Beijing, and they they try to kind of distance themselves from China. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it is a bit concerning. How would you feel if it was banned here in Australia? I honestly, I'd be devastated. Uh, it's, it's my biggest platform, as you guys can see. And uh, yeah, I, I, um, I don't know what I would do if it was banned. It'd be, it'd be pretty awful. Yeah, would there be a financial implication for you? Are you, are you able to monetize this following? Yeah, yeah, it definitely would be. Like, um, I do a lot of brand deals on TikTok. You know, companies will basically reach out to me and want to promote a product and or do a magic trick involving, for example, Colgate or or a new T-shirt or shoe company or whatever. So, yeah, it would definitely be a massive financial hit if it got banned here, and I'm really hoping that it doesn't. Right. So, okay, if you had one message that you could say to lawmakers here in Australia well, about Senate TikTok. the Select Committee that's looking at it right exactly, now. Exactly. What would you say to them? I would say uh, please, please reconsider especially with what's already happened this year to the entertainment industry with COVID and everything. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how I'd, how I'd be able to survive. Thankfully, things are starting up again and, you know, I'm getting booked for corporate events and all of that again. But TikTok in the last year has become such a base kind of income for me that after putting all this time and effort into it with the thoughts that, well, of course, it's going to be around forever, that uh, it would just disappear like magic. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't like that at all. That was Jackson Aces there, a very popular magician on TikTok. Let's go to a tech expert now to find out a little bit more about some of the problems with the app. Mark Pesci is the host of a podcast called The Next Billion Seconds. It looks at the future of technology. Mark, do you think we should be banning TikTok? Well, I think that it should be at least very carefully examined. The folks who have taken the Android version apart and taken a look at all the bits inside of it find out that it fingerprints your phone. So it basically takes a look at the apps you're running, the network you're on, all of the little configuration features. So it can identify you really precisely. And that's probably something you don't want an app doing, particularly a social media app, because it means that someone can know when you're using your phone, whenever you're using it, if they've got that fingerprint. So we probably want TikTok to become much safer as an app if you're going to have hundreds of millions of people using it. Do other apps like Instagram and Facebook do that? Uh, they haven't been caught out doing that. I think there was a period of time when fingerprinting was new and people were doing it and people realized it was a privacy violation and now people are a lot more sensitive around it when it happens. 
What are some of the data concerns around TikTok? Do you know how much data they collect and where that data actually ends up and whether it's misused? Well, and this is the thing. If someone's fingerprinting your phone, your immediate question is, okay, why are they doing this and where is that data ending up? How many people have a copy of that fingerprint? Is that being sold? Is it being handed to a government? That's the thing. As soon as you have a data collection, you now have a, a basically a care of duty around where that data goes. And so this is the stuff that a company like TikTok has to make very transparent if they want their users and the parents of those users and the governments who are protecting those users to feel safe about people using that app. Do we know at all what they are doing with the data or is are we just in this phase where there are a lot of questions but there's no clear indication of where the data is ending up, particularly in the hands of the Chinese government, say? We know what they're saying. What I think we need is transparency. We really need them to say, actually, okay, this is what we're saying and this is how we can prove what we're saying is true. And I think if we have both of those and they're in alignment, then we can take them at their word. Otherwise, I really feel as though we're actually taking a risk here. And we're taking a risk with any app, but TikTok, because it's connected to ByteDance, which is a Chinese company, presents a specific kind of threat that we're sensitive to right now. Mm-hmm. So TikTok Australia put out a statement saying that they've never provided user data to the Chinese government and nor would we do so if they asked. Mm. Can they actually live up to that promise given the way the Chinese government works? Well, the thing is, is that any major internet company in China has to be doing business with the Chinese Communist Party. That is just the deal. And ByteDance is now one of those major companies. And so you would think that ByteDance has an arrangement, particularly for their own version, which I think is called Daidu, is a is a Chinese version of the TikTok app for China, that that data is all shared. Now, how strong the wall is between TikTok and ByteDance is a question that we really don't understand because, again, we don't have transparency there. So should we worry, I guess, about TikTok more than we would worry about Google tracking our every move, literally? So, I mean, in some sense, what's happening here is TikTok is being used as a proxy for the fears that we're experiencing around the Chinese government, which has suddenly gotten very aggressive and made us all very aware of it. And so in some ways, this is the way we can think about that very conveniently because it's sitting on our phone. With Google, we kind of have the same worries maybe about the US government, but we've been friends with them. We data share with them at an intelligence level. And so the way we think about those concerns is different. And Mark, we've been talking about the collection and the misuse of data and the risks that come with that. What about censorship? Is it true that posts about China's abuse of its Uyghur population or protests in Hong Kong have been censored on TikTok? That's what certainly what we've been hearing. I think there have been some examples of this, at least in some areas, but I don't think there's been a big pattern of that yet. If there were a big pattern, it would be more generally well-known. I think what it will be interesting to look at is what's going on. TikTok is pulling out of Hong Kong right now because the Chinese government has taken control of Hong Kong and is now basically subjecting TikTok to the same censorship and uh, user data you know, subpoenaing that they would have had if they were a Chinese company. And so mm. you're seeing a, a, an arrangement that, that's being broken around that. Mike, have you had one piece of advice to TikTok users in Australia or somebody who is considering maybe signing up to TikTok? What would your piece of advice be to them? Just remember that you're sharing with a lot more than your friends.
Right. Do you have any control over how much data it collects on your phone? Are there any things you can do in your settings to limit that? I think with fingerprinting, no, it's just something that happens when the app runs. And that's one of the reasons why it's so concerning, because people don't really know when an app is fingerprinting you. And it happens all the time in a web browser as well. A web browser can run code that fingerprints the fact that you're on a particular computer. That happens a lot, and we probably need to have some regulation around that so that people, A, know, and B, can block it. Well, there is a Senate committee that is uh, at least looking into it and maybe in the future might put some regulation on the app itself, yeah. Yeah, and I think that kind of regulation is a good starting point. That was Mark Pesci, who hosts a podcast called The Next Billion Seconds. Jen, I can't wait for the moment where TikTok gets called before this Senate Select Committee and we've got all these baby boomers asking really awkward <laughs> questions about it. <laughs> Don't worry about baby boomers. You've got older millennials who have no idea what it is. I remember when Mark Zuckerberg was hauled before Congress in the US and the questions that they asked very clearly indicated that they had no idea what Facebook did or how to use it. So, yeah, we might see a repeat of that here in Australia. All right, that is it for the briefing this week. Thank you so much for listening. Any weekend plans, Jan? Yeah, man, I'm having a dinner party. Oh, wow. I'm technically supposed to be cooking, but I'm just going to my mum's house and getting a bunch of food from there. Wow. (laughs) It'll be delicious. I'll get all the praise. Big win. Well, you know, given what's happening in Victoria this week, I hope there's social distancing and I'm glad you're getting it in because it could be the last supper. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry. Everyone's staying 1.5 metres apart. A podcast one production.